Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. Just want to say a big welcome to all of our campuses. And I just look so excited about what God's doing at Franklin and Nolensville and Nashville and online. And we're seeing lives being transformed for the glory of God. You know, I'm standing here in an ancient fishing village, right? This is Capernaum right here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And, and you can kind of look out there and imagine. You know, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but, but it's really not a sea, right? It, it more technically it'd be the Lake of Tiberias because it's not salt water, it's fresh water. And there's freshwater fish there. And so Peter and Andrew and James and John and all these disciples, a lot of them were fishermen. And, and a lot of them fished right here. There were families that were living here. There were houses here. And even today, you maybe can hear families, you know, picnicking or being out here. It's a, it's a bustling place because it's right on the shores of this beautiful lake. Uh, you know, my, my kids, they, they love going to the lake or they love going to the pool. They love to be around water. And maybe your kids do too. I remember when my kids were little, uh, they loved to just jump in my arms. And whether we were at the lake and on a boat, you know, and they'd be little and have their life jackets on and they would stand on the edge of the boat. I would say, hey, jump, jump. And, and they would just like jump with this reckless abandon, right? And they're just like going for it because they knew their dad was going to catch them. They knew, and I never dropped them. Every time I would catch them, every time they would laugh, they would do it again, dad, do it again. And, and there was just this trust and this faith. We come to this point in Jesus' teaching here in Matthew chapter 6 as he's preparing his disciples, as he's pouring into them. And we get to this point in verse 18. And, and today we're going to be looking at verse 18 through chapter 7, verse 6. And we see that Jesus says, hey guys, store up your treasure in heaven. He says a lot of other people, man, they're, they're putting their faith in the things of this world. And it can be scary, right? If we put all of our treasure in the stock market and the stock market goes up and it comes down, right? Or all our treasure in, in a house or all of our treasure in these things and, and they don't last. And, and then we kind of look around and we go, why am I investing in all this? And, and Jesus is going, you could trust me. Pour into me, pour into the kingdom, the things that are gonna last. And then he comes to this part where he says, don't worry. And I love this. I think it's so beautiful because we're all professional worriers, let's be honest, right? I mean, we worry about a lot of things. We worry about a lot of things that never come to fruition. But boy, we worry about it. We have those sleepless nights and we just stay up and we think, oh, but what if this happens? And what if this happens? And we always go worst case scenario. And he says, hey, take your eyes off the water. Take your eyes off the storms. Put your eyes on your father. He's got it. He's got it. And just jump and live with this reckless abandon. Just have this joy in life. Don't worry. He comes to verse 33 and I love that verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He goes, all these other things are gonna be added unto you, right? Keep your eyes on the Lord. You know, when we put our eyes on our problems, they get bigger, don't they? I mean, it's like we stare at that problem. We just, it gets bigger, it gets bigger, it gets bitter. When we put our eyes on the Lord, it changes us. There's a faith, there's a confidence that grows. And that moves into chapter seven as he starts talking about, hey, don't judge others. You know, and so often we judge others because we don't have confidence in what God's gonna do in our lives, that God's gonna take care of us, that God's gonna provide for us. And so we look around and we kind of compare ourselves to everybody else. But when we put our eyes on God, when we can just stand on the edge of that boat and we can just jump into his arms, man, there is a joy that comes. There's play, there's fun, there's an enjoyment of life. You know, enthusiasm is this Greek word that means in theos, means in God. Enthusiasm comes when you're in God. And as a disciple, that's our call, to live that kind of life. 
So this morning, we're gonna dive into these scriptures. We're gonna watch them come to life. And I pray the joy of the Lord will come alive in you. As he says, follow me. <laughs> I've got an awesome plan for your life. Follow me. Oh, well, good morning, church. It's exciting, you know, being there at the Sea of Galilee and being on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus delivered this sermon, these words from the Mount. And so we've been unpacking over the last several weeks this Sermon on the Mount, the, the longest sermon that we have from Jesus, the very words of Jesus and seeing them come to life in our hearts and watching God do miracles, I pray, as he's growing us to be disciples. And what he had to say was such a contrast to the world and such a contrast to the religious leaders. He was saying, I want you to be a disciple. I want you to be different. I want you to follow me. So he started with the Beatitudes, how we're called to be blessed of the poor in spirit, and this call to humility to follow Christ. And then he says, you've heard it said, but I tell you, you know, what's going on in your heart and your life matters to God. And then these kingdom actions. And last week, Jacob did a great job just talking about this call to give to the needy and prayer and fasting. And today we see as he really turns the heat up on our heart. And where's our focus? And what are we living for? So let's unpack Jesus' words this morning. If you have a Bible with you, open with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Man, it's great to be together today. I love it. So Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be in verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one. Make it your own. Put your name in it. It's a gift from us. Also, we'll put the scripture on the screen, or maybe if you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures at version. And let's pick up where we left off after last week. Verse 19, here's what Jesus says. Red letters, truth. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's like, well, what you value, what your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. And so don't just invest in the temporary things that aren't gonna last, you know? So many times we make it about clothes and all these things. He's like, man, the moth's gonna destroy that. Things are gonna get destroyed that are temporary. You invest in things that are eternal, things that are gonna last. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Storage Wars. Anybody ever seen that, you know? So it's kind of crazy, right? In California, if you don't pay your storage unit for three months and they come in and they take it and they auction it off and people come in. Now, first of all, I think we're the only society that's ever existed in the world that we have storage units to store our stuff, right? Because we don't have enough room in our house, right? We build bigger houses, we don't have enough room, so we get storage units for our stuff. And so then they auction it off. Like you haven't paid for three months and somebody else is coming in and they're bidding on this storage unit. And then they get all excited, right? Because they get ready to open the door and they're like, oh, what did I get? You know, what treasure is in there? And they open it up and it's, you know, some vinyl records or something else. They're like, oh, we can go sell these. You know, they get all excited about it and, and all this. But I was just thinking that someday somebody else is gonna own everything that we have. I mean, you know, we, we look at that and we're like, I can't believe those people, that was their treasure and now it's getting sold. But somebody's gonna own all the clothes I have, right? I mean, they're all gonna be gone. Somebody's gonna own the house I have. It's gonna be gone. Somebody's gonna drive the car I have if it still runs, right? It's gonna be gone. I, everything that I have. But boy, we put so much attention into all those things. And we try to protect them and we put them in air-conditioned storage units, right? Or we get insurance for it. We, 
We want to protect all this. And Jesus is going, okay, it's fine to have stuff, but listen, don't let that have your heart as well. Don't make that your heart where you give all your time and all your attention to stuff. Invest in things that are eternal. And church, listen, there's only three things that are eternal. God, God's eternal. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is eternal. God's word, God's word is eternal. The flowers fade and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Three people. People are eternal. So how am I investing in the things that are of God? How am I pouring my heart into things that are going to last? He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Uh, Shakespeare borrowed from this passage, right? He said, the eyes are the window to the soul. And so what Jesus is saying here is like, when you look through a window, if that window is muddy and it's mucky, then then you're looking through and it's going to be muddy and mucky. Whatever you see, you're not going to be able to see clearly. But boy, if you look through and it's clear, you're going to have light come through. You're going to be able to see clearly and light's going to be able to come through. The eyes are the window to the heart. The eyes are the window to the soul. And so if we're focused on just things of this world, that's where our heart's going to be. But if we're looking at God and the light of God is filling us, there is a joy that comes. There is a hope that comes. If you go to the Greek and actually study it, it means generous. If your eye is generous, if your heart is generous, if you're looking for people, how can I help people? How can I encourage people today? How can I build up others today? That comes out of your heart and your life, and it changes you. It's not like, i got to hold on to all this stuff. It's, no, I want to hold on to God, and God fill me. So Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He says, you can't. You can't do it. <laughs> oh, but we try. <laughs> we, we try. We want to hold on to both. We want a little bit of Jesus, and we want a lot of money, because we're like, if something happens, you know, at least I got my credit card, right, you know, over here. And Jesus is going, hold on, hold on, trust me. I've given you all this. It's fine, but listen, make sure your faith and your trust is in me. So what are you living for? Where's your treasure in your heart and in your life? He comes, he keeps going in here. We're gonna go through chapter seven, verse six, but he says here in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry, hold on, God's got this. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If you underline your Bible, just kind of underline that right there because that is powerful. I mean, you don't see birds out there like, you know, being worried, afraid, like, where am I going to eat? What am I going to do? What am I going to eat? But, but boy, we are. And yet Jesus goes, are you not much more valuable than the birds? God's got you. God has you. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No. (laughs) We can't. But we still worry. 
We worry about tomorrow. We think, what's going to happen then? What's going to happen the next day? And he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, who was Solomon? The wealthiest guy that ever lived, okay? I mean, he was a former king of Israel, and he was wealthy. He says, not even the Solomon was dressed like the flowers of the field. Have you ever stood to see wildflowers sometimes, and you just look out, and it's just so beautiful? You look at the different colors, you're like, man, this is spectacular. Good job, God. You know, it's just like, <laughs> that's amazing. And he says, well, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then Jesus adds this little tagline, right? You have little faith. <laughs> you have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Again, if you underline, man, just underline right there. Your heavenly Father knows. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Isn't that assuring today? He knows that you need them. And then this key verse right here, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, seek the things of God. Put him first. He's going to take care of all the rest of the details of your life. And it's so True. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, so many times, you know, we worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, or we're worried about what's going to happen the next day. Many times, I don't know if you're like me, we kind of live our lives going, well, if I could just get past this meeting, right? If I could just get past this thing, if I could just get past this event, and, and then I'm really going to enjoy life, right? Because I'm stressed right now. And if I could get past this, and then we look up and it's five years later, right? And we've just been living for the next thing and the next thing. Just got to get past it. Just got to get past it. And we miss the beauty around us. We miss the people around us. We miss what God's doing right here. And Jesus goes, come on. Don't spend your life weighed down with worry. Fear, hold on to me. And then he transitions into verse, chapter seven, verse one. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And we kind of feel like we're taking a, a turn here, but we're really not. Why? Because when we're unsettled in our heart, in our relationship with God, we kind of take it out on the people around us. So he says, do not judge or you'll be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And look at this verse. This is so strong. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why do, you, why do you look at somebody else when they have something going on and yet you're not evaluating what's really happening in your own heart, in your own life? This is a call to self-examination. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. You're being two-faced, right? First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly, I love that. He keeps coming back to this eye. He keeps coming back to the window of the heart, the soul. You'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then he ends this kind of section here in verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What's he saying? 
He's saying, guys, this is wise teaching. Please hold on to it. Please take it. I'm not just going to cast it. Remember, there was a giant crowd around. If you looked at the video, you could see the topography there at the Sea of Galilee, giant crowds around. And some of these people are going to turn against Jesus. Right? We're going to move toward Easter and the crowds that said, Hosanna, Hosanna, will later on say, crucify, crucify, because it got really hard. And it became about their heart and a change of life to follow Christ. But there were some who got it. And they lived it. And they experienced the life that God had for them to live. And their lives were forever changed and our world's forever changed. And oh, that we could live like that. Follow Jesus. All right, if you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. love for you to get these uh, today. First of all, learn to see yourself as a steward of what has been entrusted to you. See, a lot of times we think of ourselves as owners, right? I own this house, or I own this car, or I own this storage unit, or I own this, right? I own these things. But if we can start to say, wait a minute, I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. I'm a steward. God owns everything. We are simply stewards of what he's entrusted to us. That changes things, right? That changes the way we live. That changes the way we look at things and at stuff and at those things around. God owns it all. Somebody else is going to have all my stuff someday, right? Because I can't take it with me when I go to heaven. I mean, so it's going to be down here. So somebody else is going to have it. But right now, right here, I am a steward of what God has entrusted to me. How are you using what God has entrusted to you for his glory? How are you using what God has entrusted to you? We'll spend a lot of time, right, protecting this stuff or insuring this stuff or cleaning this stuff, and that's fine, but, but how are we also leveraging that to further God's kingdom? How are we leveraging what's been entrusted to us to invest in the things that are gonna be eternal? So think about this, your time, your talents, your money, possessions, and the other things that God gives you, right? Your time. How am I using my time to grow deeper in the word? How am I using my time to grow stronger in Christ? How am I using my time to serve or to give back? I can, I can do something, right? We all have different gifts or different talents. How can I use those talents? Or maybe it's singing, maybe it's being on worship team, maybe it's serving in some capacity. How can I use my finances? And not just try to hoard, but how can I be generous in the possessions? Maybe God's given you a, a great house or an apartment or a condo in a certain area. You go, hey, I can have people over. I can host community group. I can invite my neighbors over for dinner. Right? I, I can encourage people. I can take meals. I can do something. How am I using this to further God's kingdom? So the question becomes, are you storing up treasures on earth or in heaven? Are we storing up treasures just on earth we can't take with us, or in heaven. Uh, I got back, I was gone for a week, went down to the Amazon. You know, as a church, we have helped sponsor a jungle pastor's conference in the Amazon jungle. It is amazing, it's crazy, like God has called us as a church to go to the ends of the earth, write the Great Commission, and church, we're doing it, you know? I mean, it's unbelievable. So your prayers, your giving, many of you have gone to the Amazon, but we actually fly into Manaus in Brazil and we get on a boat and we go about three hours in and we have a conference center there. We run a pastor's conference in February, another one in July. Uh, and we go and we just teach these pastors and they come from all over. And it's amazing. Here they are, there's about 150. We're up on this center. They sleep in, on these boats, right? They sleep in hammocks 
Uh, what's crazy is sometimes the husbands and wives sleep in the same hammock. How in the world? Like, I don't know. Well, at least not, it, it, it wouldn't work. I'm just telling you. It's like, they're the same hammock, you know? Some of these guys, they travel like seven to nine days by canoe down the Amazon River, different tributaries. They come from all over to come to this. And it just inspires me, you know, because there's some people like, like, oh, I got to drive 20 minutes to get to church. You're like, well, these guys got seven days by canoe, you know? I mean, it's amazing. This is Pastor Giovold and his wife, and then these are groups of guys who are praying, and it's awesome. We then kind of go there, we'll go to villages. We could just meet some of the children of villages and church. You like uh, make it possible that we give out food bags through Justice and Mercy International. We help build this pathway for Clorinia, who's in a wheelchair. She has cerebral palsy and, and a pathway to get to church, and her mom takes her around, and these kids are just beautiful and sweet. Uh, these are kids that you have, that we have. Uh, we also have just raised money to build a new boat. And so this is a boat, looks like Noah's Ark. I mean, it is massive. <laughs> I'm like, how in the world do we have a boat in the Amazon? Uh, but it's supposed to be ready for our July trip. We've got 30 people going in July uh, to go. 20 of our students, our high school students will be going. And this boat will go like 36 hours down the river into some of the furthest parts of the Amazon. But I gotta tell you, when I'm there, Pastor Chase, our family pastor, we, we were just talking about how it recalibrates us. Because these pastors don't have anything, right? But the joy of the Lord is alive. They are so excited about what God's doing, and they're like, we gotta tell you what's happening in our city. We gotta tell you what's happening in our community. And some of them are pastors, and their cities are like 30,000 people. I mean, it's not like just small areas down in the Amazon. There's lots of people. And you talk about unreached people. But these guys have a heart for the Lord. And I always come back thinking, man, I want to live with that kind of joy. I want to live with that kind of passion. I want to focus on God and serve him only. And it's inspiring. So thank you for making such a difference in their lives and all of our lives together. So here's the second question, right? Are you serving God or money? You know, it's interesting because we'll say to them, hey, how can we pray for you? And they'll say, well, we pray for you. And I'm like, well, thank you, we've got a lot, you know? <laughs> and they go, yeah, but how do you stay focused on God when you have so much? Like, great question. Because Jesus said it 2,000 years ago, right? So are we serving God or money? Now, Jesus talked about money more than any other subject because he knows that money is the chief competitor for our heart. And as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, he keeps digging down into our heart. He keeps coming about, we follow him, we trust him, and he talks about that. Now, money is not bad. I mean, praise God. I mean, he's blessed so many of us in here with resources. But in fact, money can be used to do a lot of good. There's a lot of good that can be done with our finances. But we always have to come back and say this. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is Jesus where I'm putting my faith and my trust? Sometimes we can start to amass a lot of wealth and we kind of go, well, you know what? I really don't need God. I got money until something happens in our life, right? Until we have trouble in a relationship or until we get sick or until somebody we love gets sick and then all of a sudden we realize, I really don't have that kind of control. <laughs> I need help, I need hope, and it's Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, there was a guy who's called the rich young ruler and he heard about Jesus and he, and he comes up to Jesus and he goes, hey Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you could tell the questions. I mean, he had a lot of money, he had a lot of success, but he's like, hey, wait a minute, there's something missing in my life. Maybe you've been there. 
And Jesus goes, well, you know the commandments, keep the commandments. And, and he goes through the commandments and the, and the guy's like, I'm keeping those commandments, but there's still something missing. And it says in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said, okay, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says the guy walked away. He walked away sad because he couldn't do it. Now, that's the only time that Jesus ever said to somebody, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. I don't think God's saying that to you today, but if he did, could you? If he said it to me, could I? Could I say, okay, if that's what you're calling me to, now, I don't think he is, but what I think he is saying is like, trust me, right? We're all like, oh, 10%, that's great, God. Here you go, yeah, we're good with that, yeah. But God's going, okay, that's great, that's great. I want you to be generous, but really, I want your heart. I want you to follow me, and I want you to see yourself as a steward, to use the things I've entrusted to you to further my kingdom because I love you. I've often wondered if that guy ever came back around. I often wonder if that guy started toward the end of his life said, you know what, it's Jesus, I'm gonna follow him, I'm gonna trust him. And I was wondering if, man, he was there, you know, later on at the, when the resurrection happened, if he was a part of the early church, if he just became a leader. I wonder, I can't wait in heaven, I wanna meet this guy one day, but is Jesus the Lord of your life? Notice this, grow in your trust of God. Grow in your trust of God. Jesus says, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, you know, about your clothes you'll wear. Listen, I've got it, I'm gonna take care of you. Understand through Jesus, God is your heavenly father. He's your heavenly father. You know, kids don't get stressed out a lot of times, right? they like, dad's got it, mom's got it, they're gonna take care of you. They just have this, this trust, this love, and, and that's what God wants us to live like. Worry is evidence of a lack of trust. Now, there's times that we're just gonna worry. I mean, that's a part of kind of who we are, but that we don't live in that. Then we come back and say, wait a minute, God, you've got this. I've got to hold on to you. I've got to trust you. In your life, is there more fear or faith? In your life today, would you say there is more fear or is there more faith? We're all a work in progress. Maybe, maybe you came in today and you were carrying these burdens. Maybe you came in today and, boy, there was just some worry or fear and today, would you just say, God, I want to give it to you. I want to breathe deeply, take a deep breath and breathe in the things of God, that God is with me, that God is for me, and breathe out. Father, I'm just going to let it go, and I'm going to trust you. I pray you maybe brought those burdens in today that you will leave those here, and that you'll walk out in the love and the faith and the grace of God, that God is with you, God is for you. He's got it. God's got it. He is sovereign over all that there is. He is in control. We're not. He is. Hold on to him. Trust him today. And then look at this. Love other people instead of judging them. See, Jesus just kind of moves because when our heart is just about us and trying to hold on to everything, then we look at other people and we start to judge. We look at them and we start to evaluate and Jesus goes, hold on, hold on. See, when you see other people, do you immediately judge them or love them? I think when you're growing your relationship with God, then you 
are loving. Many times when we take our eyes off God and we put it on things or stuff or the world or people around us, then we start to become judging, right? But if we can see people and immediately if we think, hey, I'm not gonna evaluate them by their clothes that they wear, their socioeconomic status or, or, or where they come from or anything else, I'm just gonna look at them and I'm gonna love them. And I know God's got a plan or a purpose for them just like he has a plan or a purpose for me. The world is full of critics. <laughs> Boy, it is, isn't it? Wow, full of critics. And social media is just filled with it. What if we could be different? What if we could be generous? What if we could be loving? What if we could be people full of grace? Jesus said the most important commandment, most important commandment is this, to love God and love others. And man, when we live that kind of life, when we have this life of love, something happens in us. It's like the light comes in and we come alive, living that life that he calls us to. So are you living a self-centered life or a God-centered life? Self-centered or God-centered? And I think when you look at what Jesus is saying right here, that's what he's calling us to. Hey, I'm gonna live my life for the glory of God. Henry Blackaby uh, writes this incredible, Henry Blackaby wrote a, an incredible study called Experiencing God. And here's what he says, don't, don't miss this. He says, never allow your heart to question God's love. And maybe you're here today and you, you kind of question, does God really love me? I mean, does he know the things I've done in the past? Does God really love me? Settle it on the front end of your quest to know him and experience him. He loves you. If you don't hear anything else today, listen, he loves you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. That's why Jesus is here, because he loves you. Every dealing he has with you is an expression of his love for you. Everything that he does in your life. God would not be God if he expressed himself in any other way than perfect love. What you believe about God's love for you will be reflected in how you relate to him. If you really believe God is love, you will also accept that his will is always best. If you really believe that God is love, if you really believe that God is for you, if you really believe that, you're gonna say, God, I trust you. And God, I wanna embrace every moment that you give me. I wanna live my life and invest things that are eternal. I wanna love you. I wanna love others. God, I wanna live my life for you. I wanna live my life for you. Do you know about uh, four weeks ago, it was a, a tragedy that happened. It was, we were starting this series and it was on a Sunday that this tragedy took place. We all heard about it, right? It was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, 41 years old, with his 13-year-old daughter, and a helicopter crashed and killed both of them. Kobe Bryant, you know, many, may know his story. I grew up uh, playing basketball. I grew up as a basketball fan and watched Kobe play and everything. I knew he wasn't perfect in any stretch, but there was something that happened in his life, and he started moving toward faith later on in his days. And, and really, you know, that morning, that Sunday morning, uh, five weeks ago, uh, he went to church that morning before he even got on the helicopter. And I was reading about Kobe Bryant and just looking at kind of his life and I was praying for his wife and for his other kids, his other children, and just thinking about how their life is different now. I went back and I looked at the speech that he gave 
two years ago when he had his jersey retired, number eight and number 24, his two jerseys were retired by the Los Angeles Lakers at Staples Center, and he gave this speech. And at the end of his speech, he didn't talk about, hey, here's all the trophies I've won, look at those trophies. At the end of his speech, he didn't talk about, look at all the money I have and all the houses I own. At the end of the speech, he turned and he said to his daughters, he said, you guys know that if you do the work, you work hard enough, dreams come true. You know that, we all know that. But hopefully what you get from tonight is that those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired or you don't wanna push yourself, but you do it anyway, that is actually the dream. <laughs> That's the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. If you guys can understand that, what you'll see happen is that you won't accomplish your dreams. Your dreams won't come true. Something greater will. And he pointed up to God. <laughs> and he said, if you guys can understand that, then I'm doing my job as a father. And I thought about how God, our Father, is constantly drawing us to himself. And God's job is for us to look up and to trust him, to hold on to him. And, and there's things that we go through in life and there's challenges that we face. We all know that. But for us to set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And for those of us who are in here, who are dads, who are moms, who are aunts, who are uncles, who are grandparents, for us to say to our kids in the next generation, guys, listen, your hope isn't in the things of this world. It's not just to focus on amassing more and more stuff. Listen, your hope is in Jesus. And for you to set your eyes on Jesus, and I want you to know him. I want you to know the God that will be with you in sickness and in health and in struggles and in difficulties. I want you to know the God that will be with you in this life and in the life to come because he loves you. And I want you to have a heart for God. I want you to grow a heart for God because I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. I don't know if I get 41 years here or 52 years or if I get 60 years or 100 years, but man, it goes like that. It is a vapor in the scheme of eternity. And I want to live my life and invest my life in the things that are going to last and the things that are going to matter. And I want to live my life for God. I want to be in his word. And I want to pour into people. And I want to tell them about the love that God has for them, just like the love that the Father has for me. Settle in your heart. Settle in your heart. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. And I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to share your love and your grace with those around me. I don't want to be a critic. I don't want to just run people down. God, I want to point people to you. I love you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I really don't. And maybe you're here today. And if you're honest, man, you've been saying, I've, I've been living for the world. I've been just trying to store more and more treasures on this earth, more and more things and more and more stuff. And I've forgotten about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, come into my heart, my life today. Maybe today is a day of salvation. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Oh, God, settle it in my heart. I don't want to just be worried or afraid. I, I want to have full confidence in you, Father. Maybe today God is speaking to you and drawing you to himself.
right now this morning and say, God, I'm yours. I'm your disciple. I want to follow you. I want my life to be lived for your name and for your glory. So God, here I am. Here I am. Thank you for your love. Oh God, thank you for your love. Jesus, here we are, your disciples. And God, we've come here today to meet you. You have brought us here, God. I pray that you would just put your hand under our chin and lift up our eyes to see you, to know your grace, your mercy, your love. I pray that our hearts would fall more in love with you, that we would understand that you've entrusted so much to us, but God, that we want to give it all for you. So here we are, God, your disciples. Jesus, just like you spoke to your disciples 2,000 years ago, these very words, you're speaking to those of us today. And we want to follow, and we want to trust. Fill us with joy today. Fill us with hope today. Fill us with love today, Father. We are your sons and daughters. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Wow, after the service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff, our pastoral care team. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you, whatever's going on in your life. Listen, God is here, and God is for you. God is for you. I want to invite our ushers to come forward now, and this is a, a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory. If you have a prayer request, write it down. Drop in the basket. We will pray with you. We will pray for you. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is that you would give us your communication card and we could follow up with you. But let me say a short prayer right now as we have a chance to give. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your words, Jesus, that still speak to our hearts today. Thank you for this love and grace that you pour into us. Now, Father, take what is given today, bless it, multiply it, and use it, Father, to reach this world for Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give. Amen.